Church, how's everybody? Good. As the children head downstairs with their leaders, I'm reminded that Thanksgiving is just a week and a half away, and Christmas is, wait a minute, Christmas is 38 days from today. You know, Thanksgiving's late this year, so, uh, you know, it's going to be on us before we know it. So, we're going to continue this morning in our distraction series um, in preparation for what's to come over the next 38 days. Um, I know it's a little bit early uh, to, to share, you know, about Christmas. It's kind of like coming to church or, you know, it's the, the same version of sort of walking into Home Depot in mid-October and all the Christmas trees and everything. And you're like, wait a minute, you know, this is just way too early. And so I recognize that, but uh, I do want to share something with you this morning um, on, on that, that sort of dovetails with our Distracted series that I believe can help us stay focused um, in the days to come on the main thing, uh, on the coming of Jesus and, and really all that arrived with him. Um, because if we're not careful and we're not proactive and we don't have a plan as we approach this time of the year, it can just sweep us off our feet um, and consume us. So one of the keys to limiting distraction is to be proactive and to have a plan. To already know how you're going to respond when distraction comes your way. And so I want to challenge you uh, this week, every one of us this week, to do a very simple exercise. If you've got your bulletins, open it up and you'll see uh, really a little prompter, an insert that looks a whole lot like this. It says hope um, at the top of it. And I want to challenge you this week to take a few quiet moments, uh, either alone as a couple or together as a family, uh, to think and to pray about what you hope the next 38 days are going to look like. Okay? And I've given you this prompting line, this Christmas, I hope. And I want you to think and pray through that and finish that sentence and, and write all those things down on this particular piece of paper. Think about your priorities. What are your priorities this Christmas? Establish them before you're in the midst of it. What do you want to focus on as a family this Christmas? What do you want to let in? And what do you want to keep out for the next 38 days? And do that on this insert that I've given you. It's very simple. Just finish that sentence. This Christmas, I hope. Put that on your fridge when you finish it up and establish and protect those priorities in the days to come. Again, Thanksgiving is late this year, so not as many shopping days as usual. Some of you are keenly aware of this and are being proactive uh, with respect to that. Um, the Sunday after Thanksgiving is, guess what? December 1st. De <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is late this year. So when we come out of Thanksgiving, you better get ready because it's going to be coming at us. Um, 
December 1st also happens to be the first Sunday of Advent. And so uh, it is the Sunday of hope where we will be lighting the candle uh, on our Advent wreath. And on that Sunday, uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to share what you've written in this exercise. What you hope for, what you hope for your family this Christmas. And that entire service, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, is going to revolve around and be devoted to hearing from you and your messages of hope for this Christmas. Um, if you can't make that service, uh, just make a copy of this if you wouldn't mind. Drop it in one of the offering boxes back here or email it into the office to Teresa uh, because I, I want to be able to incorporate um, what you all hope and what your priorities are for this Christmas into that service. So whether you're going to be here or not, please try to do that and share that with us so that we can share it uh, together as a church family. We're also going to have a communion that Sunday. We'll gather around the Lord's table. And so let me encourage you. Uh, to be here that Sunday after uh, Thanksgiving. We've been talking about distraction, uh, identifying and dealing with those things in our lives that keep us from focusing on and growing in our relationship with Jesus. We've talked about the discipline of slowing, of pinching the pipeline of information, of communication, of stimulation that, that comes our way of limiting access to ourselves as Jesus did when things got crazy around him, pulling away to pray and to seek the Father's heart. Last week we talked about the discipline of simplifying. We talked mostly about my attic and the hoarder issues that we have in that region of the house. But the discipline of simplifying, losing layers in your life that tend to crowd God out, decluttering our lives to limit distraction. We've talked about the fact that distraction is the opposite of what? Traction. Distraction is the opposite of traction. So if we don't learn to deal well with distractions in our lives, they will keep us from moving forward in our faith. Peter put it this way. He said, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith. In other words, Peter's saying, pay attention. Pay attention. Don't sleepwalk through this thing we call life. He says, be proactive. Don't let distraction devour your life, which it easily can. Distraction is one of the most subtle and insidious tools the enemy uses to shrivel our souls. Whether it's nomophobia, anybody ever heard of that term, nomophobia? It's new, it's, it's in the dictionary now, nomophobia. Nomo is no mobile. It is the fear of being without your smartphone. It's a thing. People are being diagnosed with it. Whether it's nomophobia, whether it's sports saturation syndrome, I can kind of get guilty of that on the weekends this time of year. The vortex of politics, 
or a hyper focus on stock markets, stock tickers, finances. Anything that causes you to lose traction in your relationship with Christ is a distraction to your faith. Few of those things are bad in and of themselves. It's when they gain too much ground in our lives that we need to be concerned. Let me ask you something. What distraction has gained the most ground in your life? What distraction has gained the most ground in your life? What are you giving too much time and attention to that may be shriveling your soul? Be self-controlled. Be alert. Peter said, lest you be devoured by distraction. Or as King Solomon put it, guard your heart. Guard your heart. This morning we're going to move from the discipline of slowing and the discipline of simplifying to the discipline of guarding. Specifically of guarding your heart to limit distraction. If you've got your Bibles with you or you've got your Bible on your phone, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4, beginning in verse 23. This is King Solomon, the wisest man in the world, the wealthiest man in the world, And mind you, he became the most distracted man in the world, ultimately. Solomon puts it this way. He says, above all else, verse 23, guard your heart. Guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left and keep your foot from evil. Over 200 times in the Old Testament, this particular Hebrew word for heart is used. It refers to the inner core of your being, not just the physical organ but the inner core of your being. It refers to your thoughts, your feelings, your desires, your will, your choices. When when the Scripture says that David was a man after God's own heart, that's what it's referring to there. Those things that make you who you are. Proverbs 27 puts it this way, As water reflects a face... So a man's heart reflects the man. Your heart is who you are. And so Solomon says you better guard it. In other words, keep it from distraction. Pay attention. Be alert. Don't sleepwalk through life. And then he tells us how to do that in the verses that follow. He says, watch what you say. Watch what you see and watch where you go. And so for the rest of our time this morning, 
I want to talk about these three keys to guarding your heart. First and foremost, watch what you say. It says, put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Jesus said this in Matthew 12. He says, for the outflow of the heart, from the outflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the outflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or where I grew up, we said this, what's in the well comes up with the bucket. What's in the well comes up with the bucket. Guard your heart because what's in there is going to come out. We will betray ourselves and our heart will reveal who we truly are. How many of you figured that out? You can only hide so long. Until your heart betrays you and reveals who you truly are. Words are powerful things. Words create an atmosphere. They create an atmosphere in the home. They create an atmosphere at work. Wherever you go, words create an atmosphere. Pay attention to what you say. And the impact that it has on other people. Let me repeat that. Pay attention to what you say and the impact it has on other people. Words are powerful things. Don't become so distracted in your own thoughts and opinions that you lose track of how your words affect others. What kind of atmosphere are your words creating in your home? What kind of atmosphere do your words create at home, at work, with your friends, with your children? Words are powerful things. Are they building up or are they breaking down? Do they promote peace or do they create conflict? And there are few things more distracting, at least for me, than conflict. Anybody with me? Conflict tends to be all-consuming. It narrows our focus and distracts us from everything else. You know, as I was thinking through that this week, you know, it, it, I was just reminded of the fact, if, if I've said something that has created conflict between Kim and I, and we've been married 33 years, so there have been a few instances of this. <laughs> but if I've said something that has created conflict for Kim and I, I am distracted to the point of being useless until that conflict is resolved. Can anybody else relate to that as a husband or a wife? Or, I hope so. Otherwise, you are great at compartmentalizing. But I mean, when Kim and I aren't right, nothing's right. Anybody with me? It's like, man, I just carry that with me day, all day long until we can get this thing resolved because that conflict is distracting me from everything else in my life. Nine out of ten times, if Kim and I are at, are at odds... By the way, she's in Athens today with Rachel. We're just 
Let me let me toss that out there. It's not like a real time deal. I hope. Uh, but nine out of ten times, if Kim and I are at odds, it's because of the words that we've said. James put it this way, speaking of the tongue, James chapter 3. He said, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. How many of you guys have lived this one? You just wanted to grab it and bring it back. And it was too late. What's in the well comes up in the bucket. So guard your heart by watching what you say lest conflict consumes your life. Solomon's second key to guarding your heart is to watch what you see. He says, watch what you say, and then watch what you see. This is simple stuff. I mean, we, we teach our preschoolers this stuff, and then we struggle with it the rest of our lives. He says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. In other words, don't be distracted. I love the way Jesus put it in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good and what you allow to come through them are good, your whole body will be full of light. Your eyes are a gate to your soul. Don't forget that. What you allow yourself to see cannot be unseen. You can't unring that bell. And those images can never be erased from your mind and memory. How many of you have had something pop up in your mind that, that you've seen or you've allowed yourself to see, see and it just, boom, it, out of nowhere, and you're like, where did that come from? It doesn't go away. You can't erase what you've seen off the hard drive of your mind and memory whether it's the pervasiveness of pornography today, the numbers on pornography addiction are absolutely staggering. And the amount of money that's involved in that industry that is dedicated to just hooking people is unbelievable and they know what they're doing. So whether it's the pervasiveness pervasiveness of those images or the latest series on HBO. Hear me now. I'm not approved. Those of you who know me, you know, I don't think that's ever been said of me. You know, he's a real prude. (laughs) Hear me though. What we become accustomed to, we become immune to. There is a slippery slope to what we allow ourselves to see. And what we allow ourselves to see impacts and either builds up or damages our heart. And the heart is the what? The heart is the real you. What we watch can serve as a mindless distraction at the time, but those images stay with us and they flicker in our minds and memories for a lifetime. Guard your heart. Watch what you watch. 
what begins as a simple distraction can slowly dim the light of Christ in your heart. Where do you need to make some adjustments today in what you're allowing yourself to see? It's everywhere. I mean, it it, it is saturated. Our culture, we're surrounded by it, and, and you have got to be proactive and purposeful to put boundaries up in your life to keep these things out and manage them well. Where do you need to make some adjustments in what you're allowing yourself to see? The eye is the lamp of the body. If what you allow to come through them is good, your whole body will be full of light. Your whole life will be full of light. Watch what you say. Watch what you see. And finally, Solomon says, watch where you go. Watch where you go. Watch where you let your feet take you. He says, make level paths for your feet. Take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Do you see these pictures that Solomon is painting? Man, It's all about not being distracted. It's all about maintaining your focus on what matters most. Thinking before you speak. Watching what you watch. And being careful where you allow yourself to go. Paul told the Corinthians this. Corinthians 15. Man, I, I, tell you, I wore this verse out with my son. I mean, it is emblazoned in his mind. He's got a tattoo on his forehead. It's a, it, and he needed it. There's a cricket in the room. You ever tried to, you ever, anybody ever had that happen? You like go to bed and there's a cricket in the room and then, and then you get near it and it stops. There's no way we'll find out where that came from. I guarantee it. Part of the problem, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I planted that whole deal. I'm not that good. Um, wow, where was I? Now, Caleb's tattoo on his forehead. Um, Paul told the Corinthians this. He said, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Every single time. I don't care if you're five or you're 50. Bad company corrupts good character. I've told my kids since they were little, it's a whole lot easier to be dragged down than it is to be pulled up. No matter how strong you think you are, be careful who you surround yourself with and where they take you. Make smart decisions about where you go and what's going on there. Uh, Jacob, uh, and I love having Jacob here on our staff. My kids, go ahead, give Jacob a hand. 
primarily because you know, my kids are kind of grown, you know, 25, 24, and, and I used to get so many illustrations from my kids' lives, you know, and then now they're grown and, you know, there's not as many, I'm not around them that much, what have you. So Jacob has kind of filled that void. And so <laughs> I, it's, I just love having him here. So uh, Jacob, if you don't know Jacob, he's our children and youth pastor. He's been with us uh, almost six months now. He's He's a veteran at this point. But uh, he was looking for some advice in a situation uh, recently, and I got his permission to share this, sort of. Um, he's figuring this drill out. He won't be talking to me anymore. Um, but uh, he was asking for some advice. It was, it was uh, around Halloween. He ran into a neighbor uh, around where he lives, um, that, that he kind of doesn't know very well, barely knows. Um, and this lady was walking her dog um, in the neighborhood. It was the week of Halloween. And, and she, you know, um, shouts out, gets Jacob's attention. Um, I don't think he had really ever spoken a whole lot to her um, before. But uh, she got his attention, and she wanted to uh, extend an invitation. So she invited him to uh, a Halloween party. Uh, uh, an annual Halloween party that her and her husband throw every single year. And Jacob said, wow, that is so nice. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that invitation. So uh, she told him, you know, this costume deal, you, you need to wear a costume. And uh, they kind of, you know, the, the conversation came to an end. They were partying. And then uh, as Jacob's walking away, she turns around and gets his attention again and says, uh, hey, Jacob. She said, uh, this is a, a very adult party. That's what Jacob said. And so, the, you know, the party was in the next weekend or what have you. So Jacob comes to work and he's telling me that story. <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, what do you think she meant by that? And I said, you know, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, trust me, you need to stay as far away from that as possible. That is not a level path. Watch where you go. Man, we are surrounded by distraction. And just in the blink of an eye... You can step into something that you didn't intend to step into and you can be led astray that quickly. That's how the enemy works. Bad company corrupts good character. Don't be misled. Be alert. Be diligent. Watch what you say. Watch what you see. Watch where you go. And above all else, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. Don't forget to guard your heart over the next 38 days. Guard your Christmas by taking time this week to set some priorities and to set a course to have a purposeful Christmas. This Christmas, I hope, set some time aside today or this week to think through those things and fight the distraction that comes this time of year. Let's 
bow our heads. Father, thank you for giving us eyes to see the truth. Thank you for your word, Father, that keeps us on the path. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that dwells within those who have placed their faith in Jesus, that speaks to us the words that Jesus has said, reminds us of those words, keeps us focused on what matters most. And Lord, thank you for the blessing of salvation. Thank you for the forgiveness that we find in Jesus. Let us not lose sight uh, in the days ahead of the incarnation of the birth of Jesus uh, and, and, and the implication of, of His coming, Father, that ultimately has set us free and brought us back into a relationship with You. Thank You for Your grace. Thank You for Your mercy. Thank You for Your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.